The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today, we are going to be talking about some news, and not just in House of the Dragon, but uh, some some big Hollywood news that, that could affect House of the Dragon, and that's the writer's strike. Yeah, you know, uh, Jimmy, it just seems like every week we try to, man, we're like getting it back, uh, the reread, right? We're like, okay, let's <laughs> we're getting, we're getting it going. But then something comes along and it's just too big, right? We got we got to talk about it. And that is, as you said, the writer strike. Uh, it happened. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. I've been looking at the, the two mm-hmm. main arguments that at least from what I've read in the news is AI, mm-hmm. which is kind of the big one and streaming uh, i guess you know streaming uh, royalties is another big thing and i obviously track the stock market and everything and paramount stock market started tanking today uh big time big time and that's going to be the case with a lot of streaming companies you know netflix a couple months back they had a terrible quarter that literally derailed the entire streaming you know, market, right? Like yeah. Disney, everybody's stock started tanking because of uh, Netflix. I was like the first time they'd ever posted that their subscriber growth was cutting down. So all these companies are always trying to find more ways to make more money. Part of that might be, hey, we're going to explore using AI and, you know, royalty differences. You know, we see if you go back and you look during the pandemic, there was a, you know, issue with movies going direct to streaming. I remember uh, this. Yeah, it was great as, <laughs> as a consumer. It was great. But if I, I remember, um, I believe I know Scarlett Johansson and I want to say what's her name? Um, oh, God. Who's the actress who's in Cruella? Why am I blanking on her name? She was in Spider-Man. Uh, I'll look it up. Um, but <laughs> so anyway, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will look it up here. But anyway, they push back because there's contract rights about movies going to streaming as opposed to being in mm. uh, in theaters and what that does for revenue sharing and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff pushing back on it with this whole streaming business. Yeah, and people want paid because, you know, the top end and some of the produce, I mean, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars uh, and then the writers seem to be uh, stagnating. And, and the AI issue is definitely is a thing that they have to be concerned about. Uh, it's probably better to get ahead of it now than to be reactionary in 10 years or something like that. Like I think a lot of laws will be. Um, I, I immediately just think of Napster and uh, right. people are like, we should probably have a conversation about this music download thing. And then it took, you know, years and years and years for people to figure that out. Um, so yeah, this is pretty big. And let us not forget the last writer strike uh, ruined a show called Dexter. Dexter came ruined a lot of shows. <laughs> it, it ruined a ton of shows. Dexter and Heroes being the two Heroes. best examples of this. I mean, Heroes was set to be massive. Like it, I can't even really put into words how big that show had the potential to be. 
and it completely killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Emma Stone was the actress, although Emma Thompson hey. is also in it. So there I was. I you was were somewhat close. I was mixed. I was I knew it was like Emma something. Um, yeah. But uh, anywho. Yeah. Heroes, you know, it's something sometimes the more I post on TikTok, the more I interact on TikTok. I kind of forget that a lot of the like generation that's over there and the generation that might be listening to this, you know, Jimmy, as we get older, even though, you know, I'm only turning 35 this year, sometimes you begin to reference things. It's like the writer strike that was over 10 years ago. I know. Right? And I'm still it's not over insane it. <laughs> to think I'm about to us, to us. It's like, oh, I remember it exactly. But, you know, hey, a lot of people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah, it must have been around what, 2004? Five or maybe like 2006, 2007, 2007, 2007, 2007 yeah. yeah, it was right around that. It was because that was right when I was graduating high school, I remember. But yeah, Heroes season one, the only thing you could probably compare it to would maybe be like Lost. Like Lost had a mm -hmm. huge, massive season one, and then of course, it uh, of course, it sort of continued on. But Heroes season one, Heroes was on pace to be like, I mean, record breaking, just everyone was so involved. Really, one of those first like. You know, I mean, network television had big shows, but it never really had anything, at least like to me, it felt like like this yeah. for a season one. You know, a lot of shows had these like, you know, it was always the series finale, which was always like the big event. Yeah. Like, like the Friends series finale and Frasier series finale Seinfeld. and you know, yeah. Seinfeld, you know, all of these things it was always the series finale, which was like the thing. But not this. This was, you know, hero season one, man, it. The season two just it well. Can you think went of a show off the rails that's out right now that had a fantastic season one? Um, maybe had some dragons in it and uh, Patty Constantine. Yeah, a House of the Dragon had a great season one, <laughs> and we're about to go into season two. Um, so I think we should kind of talk about the facts because we had a, we had a lot of people reach out to us and be like, "Yo, do you think this is going to affect this?" Yada yada yada. Um, and at first, me and you both were super optimistic. We were kind of like, yeah, well, the scripts are done. Like, woo, we're good. We're in the clear. And then I started reading more and figuring out exactly what does a writer strike entail and who does it affect? And it turns out a lot of showrunners mm -hmm. do not work during a writer strike. Also, I had no idea because, listen, I'm not. A, this might come to surprise. I am not a Hollywood insider. Um, I know that is shocking to you, Matt, and, and to all you listeners, but I'm not a Hollywood insider. I did not know how involved writers are on the set during filming. And the Secession cast has come out and said, you would not believe how many iconic lines in Secession there were that were made up on the spot or tweaked on the spot, completely invented on the spot by the writer that was working as a producer there on the set. So this is in looking back and, and reading things. This seems to have also been the case, not just in house of the dragon season one, but a lot of game of Thrones scenes as well. And our good buddy Ryan said, well, do you think George R. R. Martin might be more involved in season two? But I don't think so because George used to be a TV writer for first off. So he's probably was, or is a member of the writer's um, union. And George is a writer. First and foremost, he is going to go to bat for his people. And if anything, it might mean George isn't there. That's yeah. That, this is a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, of course, the uh, the one thing to look at with all of these shows is shows that are like in production. So House of the Dragon is kind of interesting because it's they're filming it right now. Right now. So to me, it feels better off than, you know, something that hasn't been written yet. And then That's you right. get like, hey 
there's a derogatory term you're allowed to use. Okay. You're legally allowed. It's called scabs. All right. You get these scab, <laughs> you get these scab writers in here crossing the picket lines. Okay. That's what it's you're allowed to say it. My my eyebrows were at the top <laughs> of my hairline, and that's pretty far. You thought I was gonna say something else. I was like, what? No. Scabs, man, that's kind of a derogatory term, but that's what it's, that's what it is. If you cross that picket line, um, and maybe some people will. We, I could, we could cross the picket line and write for house, house go in and stand in <laughs> for house up, the dragon. Right? Put me in. Yeah, I'll cross the picket line. Let me in. Um, no, but you know, it's you know, so it's one thing. So say like you know, House of the Dragon season three is probably currently being written right now uh, as they're you know working mm -hmm. on it. And I know I said Rings of Power, same thing. It's being, it's definitely going to be, uh, you know, uh, affected by it. So I, it really, it's really going to depend show to show. Like late night TV is like off the air right now. Yeah. I mean, like SNL are, said, nope. We're not there are certain things anything. that are just not going to be happening while this is going on. You're, you are right. We are better off than a lot of the other people who are looking forward to shows. Um, House of the Dragon. It, I mean, the it, scripts are House done. House of the Dragon is filming. Yes. So that's good. But I, you know, I just want people to be aware that like writers do even more after the scripts are done. Um, mm -hmm. So there could be some chinks in the armor um, possibly whenever we get season two. I hope not. I hope it's fine. I hope that the scripts were perfect. <laughs> I hope that George is on set. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would imagine. So how's the dragon? I, f I feel a little safe with, but that does, you know, you never know how long these strikes are going and you never know what, the outcome is going to be in the meantime because this time i feel like i don't know it, you know the last the last writer strike you know you go back to 2007 it was kind of like okay well you can just get new writers in there or you know you're you like you're you're stuck in a rock between a hard place because you're going to have to go back to them at, at some point right mm-hmm but now you know, one of the things they're fighting against is ai and you know you think about the the cost effect of it sooner or later in the next couple of years, there's going to be a movie that comes out that makes a ton of money that is completely written by AI or partially and, right or partially. Yeah. And Hollywood's going to go, why am I paying, uh, you know, this screenwriter when I can just use chat GPT, you know, oh, when I just go chat be, GPT, yeah. uh, Hey, can you write me a movie? You know, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot to, to go into AI and, and this level of AI, which is, is more of an A&I, which is kind of narrow in, in its scope. And it's going to get better over time, most likely. Um, mm -hmm. the, the big thing is, is for people who think, you know, this is all kind of flub, blah, 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 blah. Well, uh, I'm very into books and there are already issues with AI <clears throat> invading the publishing industry and taking jobs from artists. They're right. doing yeah, AI cover art, right? covers. Yes. And it, and it's a big thing. And it's it is cost efficient. And these publishing houses are going to do this. And and, and so will the uh, film studios as well. There there was actually a publisher, um, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but they released a book from one of their best kids author who said, in conjunction with Chat GPT brings you his new book. And it's like, yeah. oh, so this isn't a 50 years from now, 100 years from now, this is a this decade problem. And I think that's probably why this strike is being taken serious and why they decided to do it. Um, there's a lot of money at stake with a lot of this stuff. And you're right, the streaming wars, like 
this is a whole oh, other level to it there. Yeah, man, they're only when I mean, we talk about, you know, I bring up we bring up I bring up the streaming wars and the business side of it, uh, you know, from time to time, because it is such a big part of what's going to be happening with the show. It's really not like, you know, it, it didn't used to be a thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's really like a, a last five year sort of thing where it's no longer just, you know, the movies, studios and TV shows, they were always just trying to put out the best, the best thing. And yeah, they were competing with each other, but it's so much more like blood thirsty now because it's you've everybody's got a streaming service and everybody has to race to the top in order for your show to get noticed. I mean, think about, you know, you've, you look at like different models, right? You know, like Netflix, is it better to do the release everything at once? Is it better to do, yeah. you know, and that, that stuff like that affects the way shows are written because Surely. you view it differently, you know, as opposed to, Hey, you're viewing it every week. Like it's just all so it's all so affected by the business side of it more so than it feels like it ever was before. Yeah. And, and, the writers are a big part of that. There's more writing jobs than ever, you know, but also they're probably looking ways to cut corners. So it, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. One thing I would also like to note, and the reason why things like house of the dragon or rings of power, even that we get nervous about this is that there are a lot of shows. The writing doesn't matter all that much. Uh, you know, it's, it's schlock or, you know, it's cable TV. It is what it is kind of deal, reality TV, whatever it might be. But like, it's a show, especially like house of the dragon writing matters. It's everything. It is everything, you know, imagine breaking bad with a bunch of scab writers as, as seriously, <laughs> yeah, but seriously, yeah, you're legally allowed to say it. Okay. It, it's a, it's a legitimate, it, it, I don't know yeah. if it's like a derogatory. Term, I hope not. <laughs> I just remember that. I remember in, 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 uh, God, what was it? Senior Soch in high school. It's what our teachers said. She's like, a it's a derogatory term and you're legally allowed to say it. There's a lot of, of course, she probably also thought there was a lot of other derogatory terms you were allowed to say, but yeah, you grew up you in know. Ohio, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the more <laughs> you want to not, so, not so much anymore. But I mean, for people, for people who maybe didn't experience the first strike, I mean, Dexter was literally like the hottest show on television. It came off its hottest season and it tanked with the new writing cast. It was, it was terrible. Uh, Sons of Anarchy also kind of suffered from it. And those are shows where the writing matters a whole hell of a lot. So I, I mean, I am a little bit nervous and I'll tell you another thing, Matt, that does also kind of suck about this is we know that Duncan egg is being in, you know, worked on. We know that uh, the snow show is being worked on with well, a writing pilots. They're doing, they're doing things for these shows and they're all going to be on, on a halt. So that, that also affects future projects and who knows, if, if things were to, I'm not trying to be too pessimistic folks, but like if things were to get really bad, who's to say that they don't scale back their streaming budgets and things, and then things start getting cut and shelved. And uh, I'm, I'm very nervous as a, as a Westeros fan. Uh, and even yeah, if House so of the Dragon season two is effortless and it goes over perfectly or whatever, season three might take three years. Exactly. That's, that's the thing is I feel a little more safe about season two because thankfully they're, they're already filming it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's not, as, it doesn't feel as, uh, you know, if like if they were going to be filming it at the end of this year and they were still writing it, then you're like, uh, oh yeah, I would, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, now we're in trouble. But the fact that it was already written and so much of it has been planned out from the get go, you know, it does cause you to think, you know, this writer strike has been looming a little bit from what I, the more I've read a little bit about it, 
it was that decision to potentially only do eight episodes. You know, we thought maybe hey, that's a streaming thing. They said it's a creative Ooh. decision, but hey, we then we, it's like maybe in the right, maybe in the writing process, like, hey, this is one less thing to worry about. You know, we could save ourselves now, and then down the line, we could. It may you not be, be right, as my friend. You might be right. That's a very good point. Yeah. And and Ryan Condell is a writer on the show. And so exactly. George George technically an executive producer, but yeah. he's also writing. So it's like maybe they knew something. That that is very that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Man. I don't know. A little nervous. I think season two, you know, even if there's a couple blemishes, I think we'll be okay for the most part. Uh, but season three, God, I don't want to be waiting two and a half, three years for that thing. So let's 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 pay him and move on, folks. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other I guess the thing to me that seems like maybe it's not going to be affected is like the snow show, right? Because even though this writer strike is happening, it's not like projects that people were writing before, like, cause they want to produce their movie or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. I don't, it's not like it's, it's specifically like where people are like contractually obligated and they're part of like the union and everything. So like if Kit Harrington is like, Hey, I'm writing this show. Cause I want this to be my show. He's not going to stop because there's a writer strike. Well, he might. You think so? He might. Just suddenly he's like, yeah, okay, does this, is George going to put down the pen and paper to win some winner? Because he's well, like, you know, there's a writer's In fact, he might get back to work on it. We haven't had a wins update in a minute, George. You were at 75%. Uh, Come on, dog. Let's finish uh, it. Maybe. All right. Well, hey, I pulled up a list over here to look at some of the things that were you know, affected by the writer strike last time, just so we can sort of take a look. Yeah. Heroes, as you said, Dexter, yeah. um, one, I, yeah. Quantum of Solace, uh, which is like by far the worst Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. I mean, it's like, I oh, have man. it. I one time did a ranking of all the James Bond movies and I have it towards like the absolute bottom. Oh, I it's, mean, it's, it's butt cheeks. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but just then a lot of other shows, uh, I'm looking at just a list here talking about just, if you actually oh, wow. just go back and look at seasons that, came out around that time almost like a lot of shows just have like one a uh, family guy is one they say that you know had, just has like it's you just look at the ratings like per season and like everything just dips during that 2007 2008 um period of time yeah so i mean do you think jimmy you know you're obviously a little more into the coding tech side that's what you do for work i mean do you think ai is going to be is really going to be replacing like a lot of these writers. Um, I don't think currently that is a concern. Um, GPT four is going to be releasing probably this year and GPT four, even though it's only a half version of from what people are using right now, which is 3.5 GPT four is much more powerful, like much more like crazy, yeah. like going from a flip phone to a smartphone kind of deal. Um, I think within 10 years, you will have some concerns. I think it's a tool that everyone in that industry is probably going to lean on and use at times. Um, right. I could see a downsizing of jobs for sure. I, I use it almost daily at my job. So really, yeah, it, it writes all my unit tests and things at work and uh, it saves me so much time of like mundane tasks. Um, now I, am, say, I used it today. Save me, a, save me a big time on a YouTube video. I published, I was like, Hey, can you hit the timestamps for me? And it mapped it all out. Yeah, it's not Skynet levels, but I, I know some professional copy editors and developmental editors and, and quite a few authors, and they work hand in hand with the publisher and going talks with them and stuff in the book industry. And it is a valid and very scary concern, especially for editors, because 
you could technically plug it into a privately hosted form of like a chat GPT and it could in theory copy edit a book. Right. So people are, people are nervous and I, I don't think it's entirely un, unwarranted. So I'm sure the writers are feeling it. I think, I know a lot of people are upset. Clearly, I don't want them to be on strike. I want my shows to be good, but right. I think that they're doing the right thing and getting out ahead of that, specifically when we talk about the AI issue, because you cannot wait 10 years and then come back. Just look at the history of Napster and illegal downloading. And now we have Spotify, which we all love, but these artists are getting paid nothing for yeah. like 100,000 stream. I mean, it's crazy how little um, artists are actually making from the streaming services. And it, you can kind of trace it all back to how mishandled Napster was um, and Kazaa and all those good illegally uh, downloaded. Oh, uh, yeah. Which one? LimeWire, man. Kazaa, nah. I, I, that was the jam. LimeWire was terrible. I, no, I used Kazaa and it like destroyed my computer. Well, yeah, uh, so that's that, part of the charm. Right. Then there was <laughs> share. Then there was Shareaza, which was another Ooh. one that I was like, it. I did once make a, I made an April Fool's joke. The bend the knee was now available on LimeWire. Uh, and three people got it. Yeah, seriously. I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> We're dating yeah. ourselves, man. And I, it, every episode is titled, you know, House of the Rising Sun, because uh, that's what like, remember, like you down, remember you go to download music and like everything was like you could find the song you wanted, but it was always listed as like the entirely wrong artist. Like it was rough out go, there. Yeah, you would go look up like, I don't know, Born in the USA, which is by, you know, Bruce Springsteen. Right. And it would be like Bon Jovi. And it's like, that is not who like saying that. Song. Yeah, I'd be trying to down like a Lincoln Park album and it would start out with, I did not have sex relations with that woman. <laughs> oh, like, God, <laughs> they got me again. Yeah. Right back. Uh, LimeWire. So I am looking at some of these articles here and a lot of things are saying House of the Dragon to continue filming amid the writer strikes because all scripts were finished. So, I mean, that's kind of cool that they are doing it. I do know in every every country, there's like different rules for actors and stuff, too. I guess what I'm really oh. interested to see is if, you know, other people are going to sort of stand up alongside the writers and say, we're sitting out too. a lot of show like runners, directors right? and showrunners and things like that. I, and I that could be something for Wheel of Time. And I know for a fact that brings a power. All the showrunners went home. I right. think that that will happen with Ryan Cundell and George. I think they're going to go home. So do you think this helps? Wins the winner? Or... God, I I'll tell you what. If it has to come at the cost of like a mid-season two House of the Dragon, I'll, I'll take it because I want that I want that book, man. I don't I don't think uh, Wins the Winter is. Uh, no, I, I don't think Wins the Winter is coming. Uh, so, Let me ask you a dumb question. If I said, hey, we're going to cancel House of the Dragon. But you Only, get wins the winner. You get wins the winner and Dream of Spring. I'd do it. I'd cancel the shit out of it. Ooh, I don't. <laughs> Not good for the podcast numbers. <laughs> uh, well, it kind of. I mean, you know, might be. Uh, anytime we talk about House of the Dragon, actually on YouTube, it does pretty well. But yeah, I don't know, man. I just I. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
House of the Dragon season two, I'm really looking forward to. I, I am too, you... but could you imagine having all the answers? Yeah. So it could delay House of the Dragon, you know? So I think last time, so season one, I think, you know, it finished, it, you know, they said it, it finished filming. I have to go back and look, but I think it was like okay. February. February. No, I think it was like February or something. Okay. And we were kind of mapping it out. We ended up getting it, you know, end of August. So it's filming now. And of course, I, there, I did read an article also recently saying that yeah, the season two, one, it's less episodes. So that is going mm -hmm. to obviously decrease the amount of post-production time that we should see in order to see House of the Dragon. But is could this writer strike thing be something that causes the production of it to sort of, you Take know, wow. Yeah, wide now and take a little longer. If it's not, then maybe we get House of the Dragon early 2023, maybe like or 2024. Or, yeah. or yeah, 2024. Like yeah, I think originally they had slated, like they were shooting for like a July 2024 release, I think is what I had read, like late June, yeah. early July. But maybe, possibly. Yeah. So I mean, now it gets it gets pushed back because of this writer strike, and we don't know. We're gonna have to track it and sort of wait and see. You know, there's still a lot of things we've yet to learn. We did get, uh, we didn't talk about this last time. A couple mm -hmm. casting announcements. Alice Rivers, right? Alice Rivers, yeah, yeah. I was excited to see that. A uh, very, very important character for many different reasons, uh, and I like the casting. So, I mean, just you know, you only get like a little first look, but. I was excited about it. <clears throat> and the actress, I believe, uh, what Emily Beecham, is that how you say it? Yeah, totally. I'm very unfamiliar with her. Yeah, I like I like her look. She has a very distinct look. Uh, and I think I, I, I hope that it goes well. Yeah, I was looking at the news because there's so much news that happened before. Uh, the writer strike, but now every article is, of course, House of the Dragon. You know, is is going is going to continue. Yeah, people are saying, oh, could it be the same as Heroes? Right? You know, now there's just so many articles, uh, just because of all of, all of all of these things. But yeah, so the the casting announcement is cool. Um, we didn't really get much more. In fact, uh just of you know of of these characters and we've still yet to hear the casting announcement for craig and stark yeah that hasn't actually happened yet has it mm -mm. that's a that, that that's the big one that's the one we care about the most yeah so okay well uh with that jimmy let's move over to send us raven maybe uh because you know the news today we had to kind of dive into maybe we'll do two we've uh, we have a couple requests here so i have one here so let's just put yourself back into early game of thrones here okay Ooh, okay um and this is actually just one that you know uh i guess i haven't really ever, ever thought about right and that is why is Cyril Pharrell teaching Arya? So before I dive into this, of course, you know, one of the big things we know is we love to theorize this. Is Cyril Pharrell alive? Did he win that fight? Does he, he turn into... Yeah, but really, it's like, why would somebody of this stature agree to come over? You know, it kind of doesn't make sense. So uh, here we go here. So now uh, this is from Midnight010 saying, now, obviously, I'm aware that Ned Stark hired Cyril for his daughter, 
But what I don't understand is why Syria would take this job. I know there's been endless debate about the true identity of Syria, whether or not he is or isn't a faceless man. But I think even if he isn't, there's more going on than what we know. Why would the first sword to the Sea Lord of Bravos even consider training a little girl, even though she is a lord's daughter? And uh, they don't have it in here. But of course, it is also the hand of the king of Westeros. I just find it strange that someone of that status would consider training anyone without considerable promise or gold. Arya may show some promise, but not enough that Cyril would have heard of her, and Ned is notoriously responsible with the realm's money, lamenting the hand's tourney and endlessly worrying about the debt of the crown, so I find it hard to believe he would spend the kind of money a teacher of Cyril's status would require just to train Arya, especially when he is really... Uh, when he really is only barely okay with her training at all. And if Sirio didn't require a tremendous fee, then what did he see in Arya that made him take her on as a student? There's a line in the book where he tells Arya, boy, girl, it makes no difference. You're a sword. There's something about this that doesn't add up. And then what we don't even see, then we don't even see Sirio die or hear about his death. You know, Marin Trant tells Cersei that Sirio and, uh, interfered in Arya's escape, but he never says he kills Sirio. Combined with the fact that Jack and Hagar is very interested in Arya right off the bat and continues training her in the same fashion, you know, Sirio, these sort of strange methods like catching cats and stuff, it leads me to believe that Sirio and Jack may, of course, be the same person, or at least that Sirio isn't himself all that he seems. Yeah, great, Raven. Thank you so much. Uh, for that, I, I so I I've always been a pretty big believer that there's a little bit more to Serio. I think it's one, it's harmless. I think it hurts the story in any manner to to you know postulate the possibility with Jack and Hagar. Also, we maybe never would get an answer to something like that. George would just let us keep guessing. But uh, so I just wanted to come off the the bat saying that surprisingly, I'm usually the one who's a uh, bit of a pessimist when it comes to theories. But I actually do think that there could be something about Serio. But the important distinction here is that you're asking why. Why would Serio take this job? So. I believe that is probably for a boatload of money also to get the visibility from the hand of the king. And let us not forget. Uh, and we talked about this actually from a Raven a YouTube comment a couple episodes back. The Starks are filthy rich. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of forget and we kind of think of them as like a lower house for or not lowly, but like, you know, poor. And uh, like they wear very muted clothes in the show and it kind of paints a, a picture that maybe they aren't as wealthy but make no mistakes they're filthy rich they're the one percent in westeros for sure so i think that those are the reasons now you might want to know why ned would even have his daughter train because as you said he doesn't even really like her training anyways and i think that there's a couple compelling reasons for that one happens to be that Arya reminds him of Lyanna stark his sister his past sister and it is speculated that Lyanna was a good warrior that she might have been the knight of the laughing tree and i think maybe ned wanted to see Arya follow in those footsteps probably not you know marry a targaryen and die uh but definitely kind of embracing that maybe reminds him a little bit of liana but a bigger reason why he would be okay with Arya training and wanting to get a good swordsmaster is that on the way to the red keep when they're on the on the road on the king's road uh remember that Arya gets into a scuffle with joffrey and does a pretty damn good job of defending herself, actually. But maybe Ned is coming to the conclusion that they're going to a dangerous place. Arya's already made some enemies, and she needs to know how to be able to properly defend herself. And I think that that is probably enough of a nudge in the right direction for Ned to allow Arya to train and said, 
you know, if you're going to have her train, why not hire someone as the status of Syria Pharrell, who also does not have any ties to the Lannisters because he knows something's up in the Red Keep. Um, so with all that, that that's kind of why I think why personally. Uh, and I think it is as simple as Syria probably just wanted the status and the money. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I definitely think there's something interesting going on with Syria in general. Of course, you know, this person who was the first sword of Bravos, and we don't really ever hear that much again about other first swords of Bravos. Yeah. We just know that. So yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it difficult. Like even when Arya is over there, we don't hear about like who the current first sword of Bravos is. So it makes it kind of <laughs> difficult to, to know about like that position. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, hey, there's a new. Yeah, you know, it kind of yeah. of the Lord of the Night's Watch, and so so we can like keep track. It's, it's just, like when you get an email from the Prince of uh, Night, like what, like all the princes of you've got right. whatever you're the scammers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's so it's makes it kind of difficult to sort of track exactly like just how good that is and, and and any of the and any of these things. But and we never really hear about anybody else who's a water dancer. Right. Yeah. What if but we people when Ari explains it to people, they who know what it is, like, oh, it's a big deal. But we never like hear about it, like other people talking about it. So it's not it, it doesn't come across immediately as like as impressive as I think it should be. But it does it does sort of raise the question as why somebody I mean, so he was the former person. Did he just retire? Did he get kicked out? Like, we don't even know how he mm -hmm. left that position we don't really because we don't know if like that's a position you're supposed to have for life or you know kingsguard are there until they die really right i mean you know <laughs> so yeah. i mean paris and selmy is like old and but he's still a kingsguard and he's still a boss i was saying so, so we don't like again we don't know what it was that caused Ciro Farrell to even decide to to take this job yeah which is interesting and sort of fishy in the first place, which is, I think, about one another reason is that people think he could be Jacken Hagar. Of course, then Arya does, you know, go meet Jacken. And if Jacken were somebody who were also from Westeros, then it might not be as immediately sort of weird. And, mm -hmm. you know, you see those connections, but it's because he is also from Bravos, right? <laughs> and okay now like that's where you know you see that connection potentially coming or or is Sirio just Sirio, and it's just another bravo c just like jack and hagar and that leads to Arya making the decision right to be like well the house of black and white and bravos my sword master was from bravos he was a pretty nice guy he risked his life westeros is treating me like trash you know what i mean like maybe that's part of the breadcrumbs that leads to her going um yeah yeah, we need to do a uh, YouTube video and the thumbnail can just say in big capital letters, is Syria a grifter? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. maybe none of those titles mean anything and he's just scamming yeah. Ned Stark. Ned's just a boomer. Yeah. So if Syria, yeah, so I guess on just on the question itself, at the surface level of why would he take the shop? I mean, you would still have to imagine that Ned would be willing to pay someone. I, I'm sure he obviously did not use like hand the the crown money. money. Yeah, because yeah, the crown doesn't have any money, according to him. <laughs> and it would be easy for Ned Stark to do it. And of course, if you also get the request of somebody who's like, hey, the hand of the king in Westeros is requesting it, then you'd be like, okay. Yeah. But I guess it's like, you know, how did that contact 
get made? How did Ned know to seek out the first sort of bravos? You know, I'm sure he goes and is like, oh, you know, saying I want to get sword training for my daughter. He's talking to, you know, clearly somebody there. And somehow they have this connection to say, oh, we have contacts in bravos. And this is who you should choose. Right. Mm -hmm. um, why there's nobody else in Westeros that they decide to take. Maybe he wants somebody that's a complete unknown. You know, why not other sort of trainers or swords people from over in in Essos? Why specifically the first, you know, former first sort of Bravo? So, so I guess that's that interesting dynamic to it. And then, of course, you know, if Sirio does become something later down the line or does have a connection with Jacken, then that raises a lot more questions of like, how would Jacken Hagar you know about Arya in the first place. And that's where everything just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. I, I would love to ask George if I could sit down with him and be like, did you ever expect, like when you wrote Syria Pharrell, like, did you ever say, yeah, this dude is definitely going to be at the core of like so many popular theories. Because <laughs> it's really a testament to how memorable George's characters are, even whenever they only show up on the page for like a chapter or two. I, uh, Serio Pharrell lives rent free in my head, and we're still theorizing right. about him thirty years later. Well, and and I love I love bringing this up every time I can. Is you know George wrote four episodes yeah. of Game of Thrones, and Talk one of the ones he wrote is the is that episode in the first season, and he you know wrote a line that is in the book, is in the show, but isn't in the books, and it's like, what do we say to the God of Death? Not today. Which, of course, then Melisandre references at the very end of the whole. And it's such a great line. Yep. And, you know, is that something George thought Sirio should say? You know, like years after as he maybe Sirio evolved into Jack and, you know, George is a gardener. Or is that just something he thought this would be cool? Or, you know, he I'm sure he knows about fan theories and stuff like that that existed, obviously, before Game of Thrones TV. Yeah, show. he used to go to the forums. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm, you know, that I'm sure that was obviously a popular theory before the show. And so we thought, oh, maybe I'll throw this in here as like a breadcrumb to them, mm -hmm. you know. So those are kind of those things because the show did a couple times. I mean, obviously, you know, the ending wasn't as great as everything, but the show did a couple times give nods to popular book theories and stuff like that. I mean, we got Jenny's song in the final season you know we'd never had that full song best part of season eight yeah so great good. and then and then we get in there like florence and the machine do like the credits version oh so i listen to it every day <laughs> yeah so it's so sweet um remember the hype like the hype of that week, we were like that, that week in between just like oh my god dude <laughs> like yeah my god so yeah um yeah so like that but that's another thing too is like george wrote that so you have like that's one of those things where I'd love to really like that like some of the, some if I could only ever ask George a couple like one or two questions I would I though like the questions I'd want to ask him would be about like the episodes you wrote about Game of Thrones because there's so many ties to things like is this one of them and Serial Pharrell is one of them. Hmm. I would ask him what his favorite tugboat is. <laughs> <laughs> Dude loves boats. He does boats, <laughs> trains, the, and the New York football teams, jets yeah. and the giants. Yep. It's you know, what's funny thing. though, is that he's always on Twitter or he's always on his, not a blog. He hasn't posted a single thing about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's not a Rodgers fan. I kind of was thinking know. that too. Like that's a, that's he's, the biggest trade they've had in 
ever he posts he he he's more of a giants fan i feel yeah. like than he, is a, than he is a jets fan but he still does talk about the jets on his not a blog listen all but I'm maybe saying, it's just because the giants have been better than the jets when the giants you know? do well george we we broke it down one day on podcast a couple months back when the giants play well george writes a lot of his books so let's go giants we're all giants fans now Agreed. All right, let's move on to uh, one more one more quick one here. So um, this uh, again, hey, this is a follow up to a video we did. Uh, actually, it was part of the chapter we did last time, which was the Brand Stark chapter. Yeah. And we were talking a little about Blood Raven and everything. And of course, anytime uh, she leaves us a comment here on YouTube, I always pull it up because uh, Lady Ashley always just leaves us such great things. So she says, you guys should do a video dedicated to whether or not the three eyed crow and Blood Raven are the same person. I'm inclined to say they aren't the same, but I've heard good arguments on both sides. So I'm curious where you guys come down on it. And I definitely do would love to do like a big, big, big deep dive, but just sort of here in our, our just, just hammering out some Ravens here, Jimmy, what are your kind of thoughts on, on the blood Raven three eyed crow thing? I think they are likely the same person. But I know for a fact there, there are people out there that I trust that don't believe that they're the same person. So this is one that I would like to do more research on. But I'm going to stick with my skeptic standpoint that I always have, my party pooping standpoint, and say that they're probably the same. I guess. Um, so I do not think that. So let me let me rephrase this. Okay, okay. Let me think about. Let me think. Think about it. Say this. I believe that the three eyed crow is an entity that has existed long before Blood Raven. Ooh. I think Blood Raven is the current. Yeah, we've we've crow. we've asked that question. Who came before Blood Raven? Exactly. Yeah, I do. I believe whether it's just the god or something like that, but I do believe like the the three eyed crow is in has been in the process of taking over Blood Raven. Hmm. It also also makes you wonder if it wasn't like, let's just say it did start with blood Raven. Like why that moment? Right. Hmm. Yeah. But no, I, I definitely think that the three eyed crow is an entity that exists before, whether there's somebody else in that cave or something, or, you know, there must always be one type of a thing, you know, it's like the Highlander, uh, you know, you know know what I mean? Like there, like there, there's all, there must always be a a person in this cave. There's always a Stark in Winterfell. There must always be a person in this game. But no, I do. I think the three eyed crow is an entity, whether it's part of the great other or not, is even like another way to look at it. Mm. But I, yeah, I do. Like that's one, you know, one of the questions we raised during House of the Dragon is, and I, we talked about this, is like, could we see a three eyed, you know, in the show version, that would be like a three eyed raven? Could we see a three eyed raven entity that has the ability to sort of influence things? You know, or it could even be the three eye. It could even be, say, the Blood Raven, three eyed crow in the books, Raven in the show, slash, or even Brian influencing stuff in the past. But is there somebody there now that is influencing like the events of that time period as a three eyed crow or Raven? Yeah. And if they could travel back in time, like, how does that work when there's success? I kind of, I think maybe Brand's the only one who's able to. Yeah, it well, it definitely does um, kind of come away, uh, come across like that in the text. Like you're not able to change the past, but like Bran obviously is interacting with the past. So I think that's kind of Bran's chosen one trait is right. that he he's like another well, level. Yeah, does Bran? I don't think Bran interacts. At least we don't know that he interacts with the past in the 
books. We obviously know he does in the show. He could have already, if Hodor goes down the exact same way it is in the book, then then we know Bran will do the Hodor thing. <laughs> yes. So he, in theory, already would have, I guess. But like we don't, we don't get that like Ned Stark like turning around mm-hmm. to see like you know he heard something. Yeah. Yeah, this is I, I, we like these ravens because sometimes we don't have all of the information because we kind of spring these on ourselves, but it always gets us thinking, and then we usually come back with like more information. So it, the, I think it's we're overdue for an episode about this and yeah. and go deep. Yeah. Well, we are uh, you know going to do a little Patreon uh, episode this week as well, and we're going to be diving into something kind of similar in a similar fashion to this because I have been doing. And I've been talking a little bit about this on the podcast, like a recommended reading order, because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of characters who, one, don't even have POV chapters, you know, like Rob. So if you want to read Rob's arc, what do you do? It's a lot of Catelyn chapters, but he does appear and is mentioned in other things. And, you know, same thing. We talked about like Arya. Well, if you want to read Arya, sometimes you got to read Santa or Ned chapters. Yes. And then, you know, she sort of goes off on her own. uh, Thing, you know, things like that. Jamie's arc. Jamie doesn't even get his own chapter until the third book. You know, so um, some of these things. So anyway, so I've been doing this and I just finished. Actually, I actually just finished my first character of every chapter. This character appears in, has their own POV or is mentioned in. And that's Jon Snow. And also I can from what I can tell so far as Jon Snow is mentioned is honestly present in some means in 75 percent of the entire series. It's like pretty crazy. The only place he's not mentioned in all honesty is Daenerys chapters. That's it. And he why meant, would he be? <laughs> right? right. He is on he is honestly present in and and in just about every other POV character. Jon Snow is the main character. Yeah, it's it's insane. But one of the most interesting things I found was Bran. His connection to the Bran chapter. So we're going to talk about that in Patreon. So uh or Apple Premium if you're over there so you can go check that out. But uh yeah, so fun episode today just with that House of the Dragon writer strike breaking news and wanted a hammer and a raven and next week you know barring some other sort of crazy news we will be back with that reread Mm -hmm. uh you know with with the next davos chapter so with that guys as always thank you guys for watching for those of you guys watching on youtube thank you guys for listening be sure to check out the podcast you know on any podcast platform you can always write us raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bend the knee podcast.com and remember that winter is coming Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.